Good morning, everybody. Let's see, I can see like five people in here. I have the stags back there on the back row. We're glad to see them today. Back from uh, Mexicali. Uh, so today we're, uh, we're here, you know, we're back uh, confined to our homes and and for the last month, we've been open at 50%, and it's now we've, the Department of Health has asked us, all of the churches, to go back to online only. So here we are, online only today, and, and I'm, I'm glad to get to spend this time with you. I, again, you remember when they said it was just going to be two weeks? You know, they said, hey, just, uh, you know, lock down for two weeks, and then we'll be good. And uh, <clears throat> so we're not good. And uh, we've got about, what, what is this, six months now we're into this? It seems like it can't be six months. Maybe it's four months. Uh, it's been a long time. Hope you had a great uh, 4th of July like William uh, talked about. I guess that just says that William's getting old. Uh, I think that's what that means is that he's, uh, he's uh, getting old and cranky in his old age. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and the, we had fireworks where we were too. We were at Granbury, and there was quite a bit of fireworks into the night. And uh, so, I hope you had a great, great time. The, the, it was mandated. That was one of the things that they wanted, the, 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 uh, the forefathers, uh, they wanted this to be a, a time of great declaration of excitement. Because this was, a, when, they, when they signed that declaration on July the 2nd, uh, before it went out, you know, it was broadly proclaimed on July the 4th when they, when they signed that declaration that was, you know, at great risk for their own lives because it was against King George. Uh, when you think about the founding of America, the founding of America, it was largely based in, in, in really on two things. It was based on religious freedom. Many of the early, the earliest settlers came because they were fleeing persecution uh, in Europe. Europe had struggled for the last, you know, 300 years with religious wars uh, between Protestantism and Catholicism, and people were, were being killed for their faith either way, both ways at different times. And so, there, you know, the, the pilgrims were Puritans, uh, Protestants. They were fleeing persecution at the time, and uh, then a lot of the early, of course, then the other early settlers uh, came because they were seeking wealth. They were seeking to establish and create wealth that they had no opportunity to do that. So we see those two things still burning uh, in, in uh, the, the heart of America. So, so we're studying the life of David, and uh, as we've talked about the life of David, we've talked about a lot of different things, and David is in a dark, dark time in his life, and he's a very difficult time in his life, because his son Absalom has directed a coup and is overthrowing the kingdom, and so because of that, David has had to flee Jerusalem. He has, he's led the capital, he's fled the capital city so that he could... Uh, protect the city from being destroyed uh, by a siege upon the city, protect the innocent inhabitants of the city, uh, and also so he could determine, you know, because it's an internal coup, his Absalom is his son, his own son, that is trying to take over the kingdom. Since it's an internal coup, and he's lost some of his key uh, advisors have gone o- over to Absalom's side, the elders of Israel have gone over to <laughs> 
to Absalom's side. So he doesn't really know who's on his side. So he flees Jerusalem and he gathers uh, his army together and he's ready now to try to decide what to do about what should he do about this to get the kingdom back. So this is going to require a a military conflict. So he's, you know, David has been a, a tremendous military strategist. He's very gifted in this area. So he has, he has gathered uh, on the other side of the Jordan River, and he is, he's preparing for battle. So I want to talk to you today about how to plan, how to have victory in the everyday battles of life. Because we're often like David, we get our backs against the wall, uh, we're surrounded by the enemy, we're unsure of the next step, much less the next 10 steps, we don't even know what to do next. And so we're battling like David, we're battling to keep it all together. We're battling to try to figure out what to do. What do I do next? You ever struggled with that? I know I have. What's the next step? Second Samuel chapter 18, verse one, here's what happened. David mustered the men who were with him and appointed over them commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds. David sent out his troops a third under the command of Joab, a third under Joab's brother Abishai, son of Zeruah, that's David's sister, and a third under Ittai the Gittite, who has just come to join him just days before. So one of the first things you see about victory, if you want to have victory, is that you need to have a plan. David had a plan. The Bible says in Proverbs 21.5, the plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. I don't know about you, but sometimes in, when I've hurried up and made decisions, I've made bad decisions. And it is, it's cost me. Jesus says this, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you. And I'm sure all of us have, have begun things that we didn't finish, that we we didn't plan well, uh, you ran out of money, or you ran out of time, ran out of resource, and so you didn't finish, and so you look, uh, you look foolish. Uh, so how do, you, how do you make a plan? Well, you know, it's not, not all that difficult. One of the things that David did, he said, you know, you have, you have to figure out what you want to accomplish. You have to decide what you want to accomplish. What is it you're trying to accomplish? What, what will look like victory to you? in this plan. And when you decide that, one of the things that you should always do right off the bat is always put your plans under the will of God. Because it's it's tempting for us to make a plan and then ask God to bless it. Reality, we we want to be working God's plan, not asking God to bless our plan. And so to do that, we put our, our plans, we submit our plans, we put our plans under the will of God. James 4.13. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we'll go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why do you not even know that what will happen? You not even know what will happen tomorrow. What's your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishing. Thank you, James, for that encouragement. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes, all such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it's sin for them. So first of all, you know, determine 
under God, with God's will, with God's direction, to the best of your ability, determine what is it that God wants me to do? What is, what is the plan? What is the direction? What, what do I want to accomplish? Then you want to determine what it's going to cost to get there. Jesus did say, count the cost. It's always cost more than you expect it to cost. And it always takes longer than you expect. Those are just two, you just need to figure that into the plan. It's going to cost more than you think it's going to cost, and it's going to take longer than you think it will. And the, another critical thing, it's easier to start than it is to finish. It's easier to go and, you know, start making payments on that new Honda Pilot than to finish making payments on a Honda Pilot, you know, whatever it may be. That's, it could be any kind of could be any kind of vehicle that you might buy. Uh, so you need to, you know, determine what it's going to cost to get there. Then you take steps to fulfill the plan. Take steps to fulfill the plan. And a lot of times we confuse intention with action. Intention and action are not the same thing. It's something that you ought to do, should do, need to do, want to do, are not the same things as what you do. And so you have to always be working on doing what you planned, following through. And that's, that's, uh, that's harder than you think. Have you ever, anybody here planned to lose weight? You know, and then you, to do lose weight, you have to follow through or that you're going to get in, you know, a shape, maybe not the great shape, but you know, some kind of shape. Uh, so, so we want to not confuse intention with action. They're not the same thing. So we'll have to start. Sometimes it's important to just start, start small. Sometimes what we do is we start so big that we can't maintain it. We, you know, it's like we're going to get in shape in two weeks, which is really not possible. And so we kill ourselves instead of just being slow and steady uh, in, in progress. So don't confuse intention with action. And one of the things I've learned through the years is that is that be careful how you judge other people's failure in their activities because we judge ourselves by our intentions and we judge others by the actions that we see. So when we look at ourselves in the mirror, we judge ourselves thinking, well, this is what I plan to do. This is what I think I'm going to do. And we look at somebody else next door and think, well, I can't believe they did that. And we judge them by what we actually see them doing. So we, we're not fair in our judgments of ourselves. So yet, if you, if you want to make progress in your life, you need, to, you need to have and work a plan. And that applies to a lot of things in life. A lot of things in life we assume will just happen, but they won't happen without dedicated activity. You want to have a good walk with Christ, an effective walk with Christ. I mean, you know, it's easy to get saved. It's easy to give your heart to Christ because Jesus does all the work. But to grow and mature is a growing Submission, a continual submission to God, a daily submission to God's will and purpose and plan and direction for your life. So that takes some concentrated effort. You have to, the Bible says you have to treat it like being a soldier. You're a soldier of the Lord. You have to present yourself uh, to your master, your king for his directions. And that's a daily thing. What about your marriage? Is having a good marriage just happen? Well, it won't. It won't just happen because it, it takes effort. Just as it takes effort to, to get married, to, to find someone that will put up with you and marry you, that, that's a challenge in itself. But then, then to also 
maintain that marriage so that it is good. A good marriage takes a plan. And a lot of people just think, well, we're in love, and it'll just happen. And it doesn't. And what just happens is they end up falling out of love because they didn't plan for what it was going to take to stay in love. It's just like having children. Uh, If you want to be a good parent, it's going to take some deliberate activity on your part. You want to be great at your job? There's things that you do with your job. You show up on time. You give the time that is due. You do the best work that you possibly can. There's, and so you work the plan, and when you work the plan, we see great effort. We're often surprised that these things take effort, but they won't just magically happen. So then David says, he told the troops, I myself will surely march out with you, but the men said, you must not go out. If we're forced to flee, they won't care about us. In other words, they're not going to chase us down because we're not important, but you are. Even if half of us die, they won't care. But you're worth 10,000 of us. It would be better now for you to give us support from the city. The king answered, I'll do whatever seems best to you. And this is the second thing. I think this is important. If you want to have victory, you need to become and work at being a good listener. Proverbs 19.20 says, listen to advice and accept discipline, and at the end, you will be counted among the wise. Proverbs 12.15, the way of the fool seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. So here's the question, are you teachable? Here David is the king, and they question his plan. And David listens to what they have to say. And the ability to listen and learn from others is an important key to having a victorious life in Christ. Can you receive correction? I mean, who knows everything? Nobody knows everything. Who does everything right? I mean, think about it. Men, this is one of the reasons why God gave you a a wife. He gave you a wife because she sees things that you need to see, and so listen to her. Men, you need to listen to your wives. And women, this is one of the reasons God gave you a husband. He gave you a husband because there's things that he's going to see that you don't see, so you need to listen to him. A person who listens well will strengthen every relationship. And I'd love to tell you, I'd love to tell you in this moment, uh, from personal experience, how to be a better listener. But I have to be honest, I am a lousy listener. It's hard to get my attention, and it's hard to keep my attention. And uh, (laughs) Tina has been amazingly patient with me. 44 years she's put up with trying to get my attention. And... uh, and I've struggled with it. I've, I've, I've worked hard. I've tried to be better, but it's, 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 it's a struggle for me. If some of you the same way. Uh, it's a struggle for you, and probably you're a man. <laughs> uh, but not everyone that struggles with it is a man. So here's what the experts say. If you want to be a, le- a better listener, you, a lot of times you, you convey uh, being a better listener with body language. In other words, you, you, you look attentive. You know, you, you, if you're sitting down, you don't edge of the chair. Maybe you lean in a little bit. You, you, uh, you uh, make eye contact. Uh, 
You can convey event, you convey attention through verbal confirmation. I am horrible at this. I have so struggled with this. And, and when people will call me on the phone, I'm listening. I'm not, I'm paying attention to what they're saying, but I don't give verbal clues as you're going along in the conversation. So if you're talking to me on the phone and you say, and then we did such so, and most people would say, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh, oh, really? Oh, that's interesting. I'm just like, <laughs> so people won't say like, you know, now with cell phones, it's like, can, what, hey, can you hear me? Are you, are you, yeah, I, I'm here. Right, well, I thought the line went dead. No, 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 I was just, I just didn't, so I've, I've, I've tried to learn how to say, yeah, oh, that's interesting. I'm still not listening, but I make it, makes it sound like I am. Uh, but learning to be a good listener is very important. David learned, he listened, even though he, he was in charge, even though he was the boss, even though he was the king, he, he listened and he responded to that correction. He received that correction. I want to tell you that's important because all of us at times need to be corrected and how we receive it is so powerful whether or not we're going to walk in victory in our life because we're going to have to receive some correction in our lives. And if we will receive it, it will help us to walk in victory. If we will receive that, if we will listen with grace. Next verse. So the king stood beside the gate while all of his men marched out in units of hundreds and of thousands. The king commanded Joab, Abishai, and Atai, be gentle with the young man Absalom. This is his son who is leading the coup. Be gentle with the young man Absalom for my sake. And all the troops heard the king giving orders concerning Absalom to each of the commanders. To have victory, you need help with your blind spots. For David, Absalom was a blind spot. You think about this. He says, be gentle with the young man Absalom for my sake. There's no way to deal gently with Absalom. He's leading a coup to destroy and overtake David as being king. He's trying to overthrow the kingdom, and there's no way to deal gently with Absalom. Dealing gently with Absalom is what got him into this trouble in the first place. David's guilt and shame and regret of how he dealt with that, the sin with Bathsheba that caused him not to respond when Amnon, his son, his eldest son, raped Tamar, his daughter, Absalom's sister. And then Absalom, once David didn't do anything, Absalom responded by killing uh, Amnon, and then he was estranged from David. He ran off from David, then he came back, and there was, there, there was always this tension, this unspoken tension, because they never settled. They never got everything right, so, because David's shame had created a blind spot with Absalom. Blind spots are areas that everybody else can see, but you cannot. And every one of us I brought this out a couple of times in the life of David, because this is true in the life of David, and it's true in your life, and it's true in my life too. We all have the capacity to be both brilliant and stupid. We have the ability to be brilliant in some areas. David was a brilliant king. He, he was a great leader in many, many ways, but he 
struggled with his own family, beginning with his, the, you know, the great beginning of that was when he failed uh, in the sin with Bathsheba and then with Uriah the Hittite. So we, we have to deal with that. Everyone has that, cap, that capacity. We need to ask, Lord, Lord, help us to see what we can't see. And we can't see it, or we would see it. So we ask, have to ask the Holy Spirit, the Lord, to direct us. And the Lord is going to bring people alongside you that are going to tell you. And you have to be open to receive that correction. Absalom had a blind spot. 2 Samuel 18, it says, now, after the battle is taking place, uh, David's army is routing the army of Absalom. So now Absalom happened to meet David's men. He was riding his mule, and as the mule went under the thick branches of a large oak, Absalom's hair got caught in the tree, and he was left hanging in midair while the mule he was riding kept on going. So Absalom, riding a mule, he goes under a tree, his hair gets caught in this tree. He's hanging by this hair. Now, Absalom's hair was really important to him. If you, we can read in the Bible account that he, he cut his hair once a year, and then he weighed it. And it's like, you know, it was like something he did for public attention. It was like an early Kardashian moment. Uh, so he would cut his hair and weigh it once a year, and it weighed five pounds. Now, I want you to think about this. Absalom is in a battle. He's, he's, he's at war with his father. Men are killing each other. And Absalom is on his mule, and he happens to be fleeing, and he gets caught with his hair. Why didn't he take the sword at his side or the dagger on his belt and cut himself out of the tree? Because his vanity didn't let him see, wouldn't let him do that. So because of that, Joab came along and killed him, hanging in that tree. He valued his appearance too highly. So you have to think about what, what have you valued so highly? What have you valued so highly that it's caused blind spots? Have you valued appearance or how you appear to other people so that it's caused blind spots? Have you, uh, are there things in your life that, that you value so highly that then you can't see clearly? So this created a blind spot for Absalom that cost him his life. See, teachability is so powerful that blind spots, if we're teachable, if we're a good listener, then we can receive instruction, we can receive correction, and we can receive help with the things that we can't see. Proverbs 12.1, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. That's my Bible verse right there, folks. <laughs> the next thing is you, you need to expect the battle to be difficult. Battles are difficult. Life is difficult. 
You need to have realistic expectations about life. Life is hard. It's daily. It's a challenge. Uh, in, in verse 6, David's army marched out of the city to fight Israel, and the battle took place in the forest of Ephraim. There Israel's troops were routed by David's men, and the casualties that day were great, 20,000 men. Now, here's the, here's the scary thing. The only way to have victory is to first be in a fight, right? You, can't have, you don't have victory unless you're in a battle, unless you're in a game, unless you're in a match, unless you're in a contest, you're in a fight. And here's the pro- trouble with fights. Fights are bloody, they're messy, they're unpredictable. The sword is heavy. Can you imagine wielding a sword uh, all day long? It's, it's difficult, it's hard. Uh, they're also in battle with who are actually their fellow countrymen. The Bible tells us that often, it says, you know, it says often things like this, quit like men. You know, in, 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 this, in this spiritual conflict, you know, don't quit easily. Don't be weary and well-doing. De- in due season, you'll reap if you don't faint. There's, the Bible is, tells us to put on the armor of God. Why do we need to put on the armor of God? Because we're in a battle. And it's daily. It's, it doesn't say put on the armor of God occasionally. That we need to always be putting on the armor of God. We need to always be preparing ourselves because there's a battle. Not some days, every day. And this is, this is often we're surprised by difficulty. We're surprised by trials. We're supply, surprised by struggles. And the reality is struggles and difficulties, trials, problems, crisis, betrayal, it's all part of everyday life. It's normal. And we must expect that every day is going to be a challenge and a conflict where we need the Lord's help and the Lord's strength and the Lord's ability to, to accomplish it. So we go to the Lord for help and we go to the Lord for strength and we put on the whole armor of God that will be able to stand in the evil day, the difficult day. And another place... Paul said, all the days are evil. We need to re- redeem the time because the days are evil. So when is the evil day? It's every day. We have to be ready. Galatians 6, 9 says this, let's not become weary in doing well and doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. What happens if you quit in the middle? You lose. So it's not fair, is it? I mean, it's, why is life so hard? Because life is hard. So you have to expect it. You have to plan for it. You have to prepare your mind for it. You have to engage yourself that you are going to be in a battle. So what do we need to do? How do you, how do you, how do you have victory? Well, you need to have a good plan. You need to submit that plan to the Lord. You need to be, be a good listener. If you can't be a good listener, I hope you get to marry a good woman who will be patient with you <laughs> for not being a good listener. And then you need to ask the Lord to help you with your blind spots. Ask the Lord, Lord, show me if there's any wicked way in me. Lord, show me where the things that I can't see.
And then you need to have realistic expectations. You're in a struggle. You're in a battle today. You're in difficulty today because that is the reality of life. You've been called into the struggle of life. And to have victory, we have to fight the battle faithfully under the Lord and depend upon His strength and His help with, with the ability that He gives. And the Bible tells us these great promises. If God's for us, who can be against us? So, see, there's someone against us. <laughs> there are people against us. That's why we need God for us as we fight these battles. So let's end today in prayer, and let's ask the Lord to help you. Maybe you saw some area where God showed you a little something that you need to put your trust in Him. So, Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, help us to help us to understand that we need to put ourselves under the will of God, under the plan of God, just as Jesus submitted to the will of God. Lord, we want to submit our plans to Your will in Your way. We want the steps our steps to be ordered of the Lord. Lord, help us in our plans. Lord, help us with our blind spots. We ask you, Lord, to show us by your word and by your Holy Spirit to show us, Lord, what we can't see. And Lord, we know that you're even going to bring people alongside us that love us, our brothers and sisters in Christ who are going to, going to correct us and rebuke us in love. They're going to speak the truth to us in love. And Lord, we, we, we pray that you would help us in those moments when we're corrected, that we would not be offended by the truth, but that we would be challenged by the truth. And Lord, I pray that you would help us, that we would, we would expect, we would prepare ourselves, that we would put on the full armor, knowing that today we're going to face challenges and, and then tomorrow we're going to face different challenges. But the reality is we're going to face challenges every day. Marriage is hard. Parenting is hard. Working is hard. Paying your debts is hard. Taking care of your home is hard. Everything of life is hard. That's why we need you, Lord. We need your strength. We need your help. Because when I'm weak, you're strong. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us, joining with us today. I hope you have a great, safe rest of your holiday. I love you. I miss you. I can't wait till we can all be back together again. Amen. See you later.